about fasting. Yay. Yeah, I know you'd be excited about it. It's not one of those jump and shout kind of messages, right? Um, but let me, let me talk to you a little bit both from the Word but also from uh, our experience here at Lighthouse. Um, Lighthouse has, has been uh, a recipient of many different waves of uh, the Holy Spirit through the years. We have, uh, we have watched God move not just outside this house but inside this house. And I, I'm convinced that there are a few reasons why that is the case. And so I want to I break a little bit of that down from, you, from our histories now. Uh, in you know, Holly and I have been here. She grew up here. I, we've been here for 30 years as a married couple. But for for the last 22 years, we've had an extended fast. I'm 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 reviewing for people that just don't know us and don't know uh, kind of how we operate. Um, so for the last 22 years, uh, we have been a church that has practiced longer fasts, and we recommend juice fasting. I'll get into that in just a minute. But historically, what we've discovered is that. Uh, is that fasting helps you to stay in step with the thing that the Holy Spirit wants to do. Um, we, we learned the lesson uh, the, the first time uh, Mark Smith and I fasted 40 days and then we led the church on a longer fast and we discovered in the midst of that that God would cleanse his church when you cried out and my predecessor who was in a, uh, an immoral relationship uh, got uh, exposed during that season 22 years ago and, uh, and he was moved out of the way and then shortly after that Holly and I became the lead pastors here at Lighthouse. We never forgot about the importance of fasting, and so every January and sometimes in September we would do a 21-day fast. Um, we've done a couple of 30s mixed up in that 22 years of time, but it's been part of uh, part of the warp and woof of how we do things here at Lighthouse. It's 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 a, a tool that God has given to us to uh, to advance His kingdom through our lives. And uh, so I'm going to talk to you today about the importance of it, um, but I, I really want you to, fasting is one of those things that can't be taught, it has to be caught. Does that make any sense? Uh, it's, it's, you know, and I could go around the room as I look in this house, and I know people that have fasted, and, and you've watched the breakthroughs, you have watched the things that God has done in your life, you've watched him take you through a transition, you've watched your kids come back to God during a time of fasting, you've watched your finances increase, you've watched uh, God just do things that you were stuck. You were stuck and God unstuck you. God is not the one stuck. We're the ones that are stuck. And so when we get stuck, he has given us a tool and it's called fasting. Um, so we, when we talk about fasting around here, just so you know, uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, I, I, I'm going to fast television. I think that's good. I think you should. But that would be abstaining. That's not fasting. Fasting is to cease to eat for an in, in, in intentional amount of time. You know, so you, you need to understand why and uh, uh, why that's the case because fasting food cuts at the taproot of your flesh. You are saying, and in that moment, I'm going to mortify my flesh so that my spirit can come, uh, can, can emerge, can come forward, you know. And so there are things that, that I would encourage you to, you know, uh, maybe the technology fast, maybe entertainment fast, you know, uh, uh, abstaining from those things during the 40 days. That's, that's all well and good, but don't confuse it with the food fast. 
Now, there are different kinds of food fasts. You could do a Daniel fast. Remember when uh, Daniel gets hauled into, uh, you know, to uh, Babylon and he, he and all of his guys together. And so the Lord gives him this wisdom and says, eat just fruits and vegetables and don't eat what comes from the king's table. And, and you watch how God blessed Daniel during that season. So a Daniel fast, totally acceptable. Um, I would suggest some of you guys are just really hardcore and you say, well, I'm just going to water fast. Can I tell you, if you don't have to do a job, if you don't have to do anything but lay around the house, water fast, you could do that. Make sure you drink plenty of water. But I wouldn't recommend it for people that have to keep up a, a, you know, any kind of uh, job or any kind of interaction with others. Uh, water fasting is very, very, uh, yeah, you'll be a grump, man. Nobody, everybody avoid you. They'll, be, they'll look at you and they'll say, you all grumbling and I'm going to fast you. And uh, so, uh, so, you know, if you did a water only, I would, I would encourage you only no more than about three days, but make sure you're always, whether, whatever kind of fast you use, make sure you're drinking water um, and, uh, because you don't want your electrolytes to get off and all that kind of stuff. That's, uh, you know, we, we, if, if you have visions and dreams, we want them to be the right kind. Right, so uh, so you should have already gotten uh, a PDF for our fasting manual. If not, uh, we can also print those out in house. So, uh, but I want to encourage you to uh, to do something during this this time. Uh, fasting is what I would consider to be. Um, I was thinking about how how can I explain it. So if you were to if you were to think, how many of you here like the Lord of the Rings, Tolkien? Lord of the Rings, right? So the, the ring, the ring of power was the, the one ring that would control all the others. If I were to say fasting is the one discipline that controls all the others. Like you could have a word discipline, but fasting will put it on steroids. You could be a person of prayer, but fasting will cause your prayer life to move into a realm that you've never experienced before. Fasting is the deal. Fasting is the, uh, it's the gateway. Fasting is the, the discipline that causes all the other disciplines to start to make sense because you and I, in, uh, about the time we move into one discipline in our walk with the Lord, oh, we got to stop and go get some lunch. Oh, we got to stop and go get some dinner. Hey, we're having this. You will find when you begin to fast that food has overtaken your life. You can't spend too many minutes not thinking about it at some level, either, either creating a menu or going shopping or preparing or all of that kind. You're going to, when you begin to go on a fast, you're going to suddenly realize, I got a lot of time on my hands. What in the world? Right. So, so fasting is this, is this discipline that the Lord has put in your life and mine uh, to cause us to be able to advance. And if there is one neglected discipline in the body of Christ in the West, it is fasting. It is the most neglected, the most powerful, and the most neglected. Go figure. Right? But that's due to the prosperity that we have in our world. It's, it's more difficult to turn it down. And so uh, let's dive into the word uh, this morning. You should have some notes there in the back of your seat that's also on version um, this morning. We're going to dive into uh, this word on fasting. I'm going to take you to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2 uh, is this uh, little bit of a controversy between uh, Jesus' uh, uh, you know, the, the disciples of the Pharisees and the disciples of John over this particular issue. Mark chapter 2, verse 18. Now, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. 
Some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Yours are not. It's interesting to me, this is just an observation, but it's interesting to me that there is conflict around things that have power. If things don't have power, there's very little conflict. Who's going to control the purse strings? There's conflict. Who's going to get the microphone and can dictate, uh, you know, what, what gets said and what gets done? Who's got the voice? Conflict. Wherever there's a source of power, there's going to be a conflict around it. Remember last week I talked to you about all the different religions and how they all pray? But they all pray for a different purpose and a different reason, right? We pray because the spirit of sonship is on the inside of us. We have the right to speak to God and, and the right to speak for God with authority, right? And uh, well, fasting has, is the same kind of a thing. Different people would fast for different reasons. It's in vogue right now to do intermittent fasting. How many of you have heard of that in 2019? Most popular diet of 2019, intermittent fasting, you know? And, uh, and so what, what's the purpose behind what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about fasting? Now, John had lots and lots and lots of disciples. He was the man of the hour. He was the last Old Testament prophet, first New Testament prophet, depending on how you look at it. He's the crossover man. He has a huge following. And then there are the Pharisees. And we know why the Pharisees would do most things that they did. Most of their disciplines were so that people could see them. <coughs> Excuse me. Look at how holy we are. Look at how we are righteous. Look at how, <coughs> how pious we are. Water. And, uh, and so the, the Pharisees, uh, the Pharisees wanted to do what they were doing to be seen of men. That was their whole purpose. And Jesus said when it came to their prayers, they had received their reward in full. There wasn't anything else that was going to come back to the Pharisees because they were, they were fasting to be seen of men. And so when they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, what about this issue of fasting? We need to know what, how you land on it. And he says this. He says, how is it that, uh, uh, excuse me, verse 19. Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and, and on that day they will fast. Now, have you ever been baffled by things that Jesus said? Like somebody would ask him a very simple question, and he would answer it in some kind of way like, okay, that was like, how does that? even remotely come close to answering this question. I'm glad I'm not the only one. I thought that for years, you know, there's different things, you know. There's another path. Just go with me on a rabbit trail, okay? Um, so, so you remember that time where uh, some of his disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, there's some Greeks outside and they want to see you. And Jesus answers like this, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies. <laughs> It remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And I can just imagine Philip and Andrew standing there saying, does that mean we can let him in the door? What do you mean by that? What is that? You know? So here's why. Because, you know, they are asking something in the natural and Jesus answers in the spiritual. They're asking a question that, that's right now, okay, Jesus, who do we tell them to follow? You know, you got John, you got the Pharisees. We're trying to, we're trying to pick our, our political parties here. We're trying, to, we're trying to pigeonhole this thing. How can we figure this out? And Jesus says, 
how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot. But when the bridegroom is taken from them, then they will fast. Very good, Jesus. Thank you so much for that. So what Jesus was trying to get across to them is that he, in fact, is the bridegroom. And there's a time to fast and a time not to fast. And the time not to fast is when it's supposed to be a time of celebration. Weddings are times of celebration. Weddings are times when, when you do bring out the best food and you do bring out the best drink and you come and you celebrate together and that's a time for, for feasting. That's a time for celebration. And Jesus was implying right then, he said, I'm the bridegroom. John would say, I'm the friend of the bridegroom. And he said, I'm the bridegroom and right now while I'm with them, they're not gonna fast. Not part, of, not part of what we do right now while I'm here for this span of time. But when I am gone, when the bridegroom is gone, then they will fast. Can I tell you when the season of fasting began for the church? The day of ascension when Jesus ascended. Then the season of fasting began for us. Why? Because we're waiting for the bridegroom. We're waiting for the bridegroom, and we're waiting for the marriage supper of the Lamb, and we've got work to do in the meantime, and so we can't live like this is our home because this is not our home. We're only here to do a job. We're only here to do the work of the kingdom. We're only here to make sure that every nation, tongue, and tribe are gathered together around the marriage supper of the Lamb. We need to make sure that everybody hears about the bridegroom. And that's why he says, and then they will fast. He says, he says let, me, let me give you an example. You're going to love this. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. To fast or not to fast? That is the question. Unshrunk cloth? Old garment? Sew it on, the tear gets worse? What's that about? What's he talking about? Here's another one. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. Okay, Jesus. Let's take it from the top. John's disciples are fasting. <laughs> Pharisees' disciples are fasting. Are we going to fast or not? What are we supposed to do? Just tell us what to do. As with most parables, Jesus doesn't want us to just mindlessly behave. He wants it to get down on the inside of us so that we live it, so that we know it, so that we experience it. If, if all the time God has to tell you what to do and how to think, that's not the kind of relationship he wants to have. He wants you to be a seeker. He wants you to be a person that's inquisitive about what he has to say so that you stay in it, so that it stays in you, so that it sticks. And so when Jesus begins this conversation uh, about the, the whole issue of, notice the comparison between the, the, the old cloth and the new cloth. 
and the old wineskin and the new wineskin. Let's pick up that. Let's pick up that thought and follow it through. Jesus is saying that that there's the old that that is it belongs to yesterday. It belongs to the past, and then there's the new thing. The new thing, this, it's current, it's right here, you know, it's, it's right now. Uh, how many of you have learned in our world, just in, uh, in the last five years or so, there are words that used to mean one thing that means something totally different now, right? You got to be careful, right? I can't use lit anymore, Pastor Daniel. It's just too old. I found that dope is still around, but see, dope was one thing when I was a kid. Somebody will say, oh, Pastor Ken, that's so dope. I'm like, what? Can't you get busted for that? You know, so words change, right? Things that mean, meant one thing mean something different now. You just gotta, you just gotta be careful, you know. And uh, and so you you and I need to realize there there are old and there are new. There are things that God wants to do continually, but there there's an old way that He did things, and then there's a new way that He wants to do things. And so what I want you to understand from what Jesus is talking about, particularly related to the wineskin, is that they were in an agrarian society that everything that they lived lived came from the ground or from the, the livestock pen. Their, their sustenance had to do with how well they took care of that vineyard, those crops, and, and those livestock. That was, their, that was their realm. That was the place that they lived. If they didn't look after them, if they didn't take care of them, if locusts came in and wiped out a crop, man, that was, they were, they were going to not eat for the, for the next season, for the next several months. They weren't going to have what they needed to have. And so Jesus is talking about something that is, that is real, very real to their life. Some of you, probably many of you in this room, uh, some of you drink wine, some of you don't. You probably wouldn't drink it from a wine skin, a goat skin. Probably not, probably not. And, but the reality was that in, in that part of the world, maybe water wasn't as, as good as it could have been uh, health-wise. It could have had bacteria in it. So they would ferment the wine, and the wine was good to drink and, and was better for their stomachs. And so uh, as a result of this, this was life and death stuff. And so Jesus is saying, you guys know this. You know how this works. You only take the goat skin and you make it into a wine skin and that goat skin is only good for wine one season. Because when you put this season's wine in it, it's gonna, that fermentation, that's the last part of the fermentation, but it, that fermentation is gonna cause that wine skin to stretch out. And it's gonna stretch to its capacity, but it can hold the new wine for that season. The problem is, after it's emptied, that skin will dry out. And it's gonna develop little cracks in it. And it's already been stretched out to its fullest capacity. If you take last year's wineskin and you repeat the process and you put the new wine into last year's wineskin, when it was already stretched out to capacity, can you imagine what's going to happen? The pressure from that wine is going to find one of those little cracks and just keep working on it, working on it, psh, and pretty soon, all that wine is going to spill out, and the wine skin would be gone as well. So that, that old wine skin is really only good for holding water from, for some other liquid, but you've got to put new wine into new wine skins. And so the reason that this is important as it relates to fasting for you and I, the reason that this is important is because God has put his Holy Spirit down on the inside of you to connect with your spirit. But unfortunately, 
you have the same body that you had when you got born again. Right? Isn't it true? You know, if you, I remember when I got saved, I thought I looked different. But I looked in the mirror, same Ken Kramer, same nose, same nose, same Ken Kramer. You know, everything looked different through my eyes. But coming this way, I looked the same. You and I have a physical body, and it's a, we, we have one body until we see Jesus, then we'll get our glorified body. Hallelujah. Y'all aren't nearly as excited about that as you should be. A glorified body that you can run up the stairs, that you can do whatever you want to do, you know, and it's not going to slow you down. A glorified body. The problem is, until you see Jesus, you're stuck with the one you got. The Bible says that your body is a tent. It's, not a, it's a temporary dwelling place, not a permanent dwelling place. When we see Jesus, we're going to have, we're going to have our mansion. We're going to have the, the place he has prepared for us, and we're going to have a glorified body. But until then, you and I have the same physical body by, at which we got born again. How can you put new wine into old wineskins. God had to come up with a plan whereby I could renew this physical body to inherit the thing that the Holy Spirit wants to do every season. Every season. This is where fasting comes in for you and I. Here's the deal. In our life, we tend to gravitate toward the things that are were that, that used to be rather than the things that will be. We tend to look back at those things and say, it was really so good then. I, I will tell you here, true confession. In my, in, my, uh, in my Land Cruiser, I have a couple of radio stations. That's right, radio. Not Spotify, radio. You know, nothing wrong with that other stuff. But, you know, you ever, you ever think about the thought? This is just a profound thought. Uh, but Classic Rock, which is one of the stations that's in my Land Cruiser, Classic Rock, there are no new Classic Rock songs. <laughs> Isn't that a profound thought? <laughs> like, I don't know when it started, like early 70s, mid-70s, whatever, on up through the 80s, but there are no new. Whatever those bands were, that's all there are. There's nothing new in that. There, is, there are no new classic rock songs, which is why I like it, because I know them, right? You, you, you get on to a different radio station that's a different, different uh, time in your life, right, or a different time in the world, right? The 90s, I don't know any songs from the 90s. Like, I was totally sanctified in the 90s. I only listened to Christian music at all in the 90s, and I know no bands from the 90s at all. Yeah, in the 2000s. I'm sunk, man. Why? Because, because my, my, I, I prefer the wineskin of the 80s. The big hair bands, the foreigner, the, you know, the, the, you know all the, I mean, yeah, I was all into that, you know? Def Leppard, Bob Seger, the Eagles, all the stuff I had to repent of in order to get saved. But that's familiar to me. And so when you and I, in the things of God, when we get to the place where we say, well, I wish it was like it used to be in church. I wish it was, I wish they would, still, I wish they would pull out that hymnal and sing hymn number. What are we doing? Old wineskin. 
We, we prioritize something that was associated with worship, with worship. What is truly what is worship? Man expressing his heart to God. Now, does there need to be truth? Absolutely there needs to be truth. But you know what? Some of the hymns weren't true either. Whoa, that's a revelation. So you and I need to realize that, so that when we look back, sometimes we're looking back through these rose-colored glasses that it wasn't all as bad as we thought it was because it was really bad, some of that back then. And it wasn't really as good as we really think it was. It's just how we remember it. It's just how we remember it, right? And so when Jesus is talking about new wine in new wineskins and why we need to have new wine uh, for new wineskins is because the, the revival that Jesus wants to send today is not going to come in the same format that it did 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 70 years ago. It, revival looks different in every generation, and this generation is responsible for this generation's harvest. They need to have their own encounter with God, and their encounter with God is not going to look like the, you know, your encounter with God. That's the reality. And, and you want to you track revival history, what you will find is that every new revival was persecuted by the people that carried the torch for the last one. That the Pentecostals didn't like the Charismatics because, well, you know, Charismatics were getting saved, but they, they still venerated Mary. And they said, what is wrong with this? These people are speaking in tongues and God is moving in their midst, but they still love Mary more than Jesus. And so they, they, they would poo-poo the Charismatic renewal, even though God was clearly moving, right? And so every generation needs to say, you know what? What is God doing today? I need the wine skin. How do I get that? In your notes. Fasting breaks old habits. Let's start there. Fasting breaks old habits. If I were to go around the room and talk to you, what, which, which one of you still have habits that you had before, before you came to know Jesus, and it's a challenge for you? The Bible would talk about besetting sins. It would talk about weights. Lay aside the, the, the besetting sin and the weights that so easily beset us, that easily trip us up. There are some things in life that are, that are, that are chapter and verse, this is sin. And then there are some things in life that are just weights. They're just not helping your walk with God move forward at all. And many of, many of those things register in our life when we're very young. Paul told Timothy, he said, flee the youthful lusts. One of the things that the enemy wants to do is he wants to put a control point in your, in your identity when you're very young. Most of the things that trip us up uh, probably came into our life before we were 10 years old. And those things become things that the enemy will try to use to control us our entire life. Well, how do you get that hook out? How do you get underneath all of that? How do you get free from that? Even though the enemy wants to use that to control your life, how do you do it? Fast. You fast. You, you, you go at the thing that keeps you alive in the first place, and you, and you begin to fast. Fasting will break old habits. Secondly, fasting humbles our souls and crushes pride. Probably most everybody in here could, uh, could recite most of 2 Chronicles 7.14. All I had to do is get you started. If my people who are called by my name will do what? Humble themselves. Stop there. Do you think God answers the person who prays when there's pride present? 
Do you, you know, no, because Peter says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, right? So let me ask you, point in your schedule, show me in your calendar, where did you humble yourself? Well, at 9.35, I humbled myself today, and I told my wife she was correct. Okay, maybe, maybe. But how do you humble, you? That, that, that bought you some, some time with your wife, right? But how did you humble yourself before the Lord? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, you, you can't get your pray. don't even try to pray until you deal with the pride. How do you deal with pride? Where, where, show me where it's done. Show me practically how that happens in your life. David said, I think it's Psalm 35, could be Psalm 32, I humbled my, so, my soul with fasting. I humbled my soul with fasting. When we fast, we humble ourselves. Ahab humbled himself, probably the most wicked king in the Old Testament, did a 40-day fast, and the judgment of God was averted off of Ahab and skipped a generation. The people of Nineveh, right? They, they didn't know their left hand from their right hand. They were, they were a, a, a polytheistic, idolatrous people. And when Jonah shows up and he preaches one time, here is the reluctant prophet. He probably preached through like a, a, a you know, a muffler, some, some for him. Oh, you people, you need to repent. Do you want to repent? No. Okay. Thanks. I'm out of here. You know, Jonah probably, he, he, he didn't want to be there. He didn't want these people to repent. But when he preached one time, repent, or God's going to overthrow the city, and the entire city fasted for 40 days, and God averted their, his judgment on them. How powerful is it when we humble ourselves? When we humble ourselves through fasting. Uh, fasting deals deeply with our motivations, our motivations. All of us, you know, when we come to the Lord, we, we come and say, say something along these lines. Jesus, I believe in my heart that uh, you died on the cross for me, and I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, and I'm thankful for your salvation. Come into my heart. Save me. And, and so we just ask Jesus to be Lord of our lives, but he's not really Lord of our lives. Now, your spirit man got born again, but your mind ain't saved. And your affections ain't saved. You still love the things that you loved before you came to Jesus. You, you still are drawn away to things that aren't good for you. You still have a, have a bent towards sin. How do you deal with that? How do you really get to the place where you're, you're saying, you know what? I want my motivations to line up with God's motivations. How do you do that? Fasting is a tool to help you get your motivations. Fasting deals deeply with our motivations. So the things that, uh, that God desires, you desire. Isn't it, isn't it true, you know, that uh, you know that what Jesus had, I mean, you know this in your noggin. You know that, that what God wants for you is good, right? Would you agree? Okay. And you know what the devil means to do in your life is bad, right? So God, good, devil, bad. How come some of you still vote for the devil? And you know why I know you do? Because sometimes I do too. What is in me that still wants the dark side? What is in me that still wants to pursue what was connected to my life before I met Christ? How do I deal with those motivations? You can pray it all you want. 
You can, you can spend all the time in the word you want. But until you kick in fasting, that thing is still going to be a detriment to you. Your motivations won't be dealt with at that level. Fasting is the nuclear option for what needs to happen in your soul. It deals with the motivations on a much deeper level. Um, fasting brings health to our bodies. Um, I, you know, I, I would sound like, I could stand up here and sound like uh, some health coach for you for about 10 minutes, and I could list off every, every healthy change that's going to happen in your body, and I would sound like an infomercial. But wait, there's more. Some of you will get off your insulin. Some of you will get off your blood pressure medicine. Some of you will sleep better like you've never been able to sleep. Some of you, you, you you're going you're gonna to find things shift around in your body and you say, what, 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 what was all this? Can I tell you that most of the diseases that we have in, in, in America are foodborne diseases. They're diseases that have something to do with the fact that we're, we're not eating the right kind of food, we're overeating, whatever the case may be. And, uh, you know, your adrenal glands will start to function the way they're supposed to. I mean, there's so many things that are going to happen when you go on a longer fast. I'm telling you, it sounds just like an infomercial, except it didn't cost you anything. Right? Even this, even this, uh, this past year, uh, you know, one of the one of the number one diets in 2019, right, was intermittent fasting. Like, duh. Like that's new. Don't make them. Don't don't pay for something like that. Right? It's in the Bible. Open book test. Don't pay for that. Right? And, and so God wants his people to be healthy. But all this is, you know, Isaiah 58, fasting. You know, he said your health will quickly appear. You know, and so fasting is healthy. It, it, it brings health to your bodies. Your body begins to uh, deal with, uh, you know, all, all of that floating sludge that's in your bloodstream. And uh, it's like an oil change for your body, something like that. Yeah. Your digestive system will go to sleep and, uh, and stop giving you a hard time. And uh, it, it's just amazing. So many different aspects. Health to your bodies. Fasting prepares us for the new thing God wants to bring. If, if Jesus said no one puts new wine into old wineskins, he's, he's by virtue of saying no one, he's saying God doesn't do it either. Oftentimes in the church we say, God, we want you to do a new thing, but don't change anything. God, we're willing to let you do anything, but can we just keep it like we got it? Right? And we'll do it that way, or we'll pray for a revival this way. And, and this is what happens. Some of y'all in this room, you know, you're, you're hearing this message today, and you're saying, ah, yeah, it's pretty good. So-and-so needs this word. <laughs> Lord, bring revival to my neighbor, but don't let it cost me anything. We're kind of, we're, you know, they, one preacher said, you're, you're like throwing gravel, you know, that preacher's shoveling it to you and you're shoveling it out to somebody else, but you're never letting it change you, right? You know, we're, we're, we're saying, oh, this is for somebody else. Oh, it's for somebody else. Oh, it's for somebody else. But God wants to prepare you for the new thing. How do I know? Because you still got breath in your lungs. So God's not done with you. 
He still has a purpose for you. He still has a design. He still has a desire for, uh, to, to bring powerful things through your life that you never thought possible. But it's going to require you and I to enter in to the, this thing called fasting because what fasting does is it upsets the normal routine of your life enough that God can begin to deal with the things that have been holding the old way in place. You can't get the new unless you let go of the old. That's the surrender word we talked about earlier. Well, it's obvious that God would not want me to surrender my successes because that's what got me here. I finally figured something out. That's probably what's holding you in in the wrong place. It's when we're willing to lay down the things that we can say, oh, I got, a, I, got a, I got a gold star next to my name. Lay down those gold stars and see what Jesus does. You know what you do with crowns when you get to heaven? You just throw them at Jesus' feet anyway. We're not, we're not all admiring one another's crowns. We're saying, hey, that's, that's pretty good worship material. Just throw it down. Throw it down at the feet of Jesus. So I challenge you, when you go on this fast, throw down the things that were good to your name. Not the negative stuff, but even throw down your titles. Even throw down what you think about yourself. Even throw, throw down the, what you feel to be the, the best and the positive. You know, Paul said it this way, for whatever, I, I, uh, whatever was to my gain, I now consider loss for the sake of knowing him. Fasting prepares us for the new thing God wants to bring. And lastly, fasting releases the work of the Holy Spirit. Fasting releases the work of the Holy Spirit. The reason that this is important is because God wants what he wants to do by his spirit to stick in you. He doesn't want it to just bypass you like we talked a minute ago. He wants what he wants to do. You are the, the, the locust of the Holy Spirit, not locust. You are the location. You are the place where God wants to do his work. Your heart your mouth, your life, that is where God wants his activity to happen. And a lot of times we pray this prayer like, oh God, do this over here and do this over here. And he said, that's not the way it works. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke. How did he speak? To them. To them. The Holy Spirit spoke, set apart for me, Saul and Barnabas, for the work I've called them to do. When you fast, you're preparing yourself to participate in this thing that God wants to do to bring the gospel to every nation, every tongue, and every tribe. Little old me? Yeah, little old you. He wants to prepare you for the work of the Holy Spirit, but he has to work in you before he can work through you. Are you with me? He has to break up these motive, these thoughts. It's got to be this way. It's got to be this way. It's got to be this way. And he's going to say, why don't you just lay down the way you think it needs to be and just be obedient to fast and watch what I can do. Just watch what I can do. One of the things I do as a, as a leader, we're going to close with this. One of the things I do as a, with a leader is give very little instruction to new leaders coming up. Because I want to see what they got. I want to see how they do things. I want to see how they handle people. I want to see how they, uh, how they pursue the Lord. I want to see how they pursue the anointing. I don't give them a bunch of instruction. Why? Because they're going to pick up on all my biases. They're going to pick up on my style. They're going to pick up on the way I would do it. And so I don't tell them how I would do it. 
There you go, kid. Figure it out. And for some people, that just wigs them out right out. Well, aren't you going to tell me? No, I'm not going to tell you. You got the Bible and you got the Holy Spirit. Let's see, let's see what you got. Let's see what you got. You say, well, that's not fair. Well, I, I'm going to find out how they're wired up, how they, how they appropriate, how do they work with what they have. You know? and, and so you and I need to, to recognize that, that, just, that your way of doing things isn't the only way. And that if, if Lighthouse is going to experience the thing that God wants it to have, that there are going to be there are going to be some young guns that come along, and they're going to take us into the thing that God wants to do. Un unless we just say it's got to be our way all the time, then that has limited shelf life. There's a book I read a while back. Lo love the title. Love the book. Um, um, written by an executive, but he, he, he called it, uh, it was called Deep Change, and then the subtitle was Or Slow Death. Deep Change or Slow Death. And in your life as a believer, that's what it looks like. We're either growing or we're backing up. We're either held by our old ways of thinking, our old motivations, our old desires, or we're saying, Jesus, what's the thing on the horizon that you want me to be ready for? I want to walk in the new thing that you have for me. Show me how. And you know what? Holy Spirit will come right alongside of you, and he'll show you how to do this because he's been showing people how to fast for thousands of years. He's really good at it. So we've given you enough information to get you started but I want to hand you over to the Holy Spirit and let you and he work this out as you go. Amen? Let's stand this morning. Father, today in the name of Jesus, we declare a 40-day fast. We declare in the spirit realm a 40-day fast. The people of God shall humble themselves here at Lighthouse. And that this Wednesday... When it rolls around, it's just, a, it's, just a cal it, it's just another calendar day, but it's a day that we have chosen. Well, Lord, we want your chosen fast. Is this not the fast that I have chosen, Isaiah 58, that we could uh, walk out what that uh, whole chapter means in regards to fasting, God? We don't want to fast our way. We want to fast your way. But Father, I pray that, uh, that in this season that we would get beyond the physical things and the psychological things and that we would enter into what it means to bring justice, kingdom justice into our world. That we would find ourselves, Lord, hurting with the things that cause you to hurt. The things that we've been easily passing over in days, uh, in days gone by that we couldn't just let it get by anymore. And Holy Spirit, you would change us from the inside out. Father, many of us have been smug in our walk with God. Thinking that something wasn't broken when it was. I'm reminded of the church in the book of Revelation. And you said of them, you think you, you are well fed and you have everything. But I say to you, you are naked, pitiful, poor, wretched, blind, and naked. Lord, they, they just didn't see what you saw. God, I pray during this fast that we would see what you see. I pray, Lord, that we would stop playing any kind of religious games. That we would lay down any of our own self-righteousness. I got this figured out. And we, we would become as little children so that we could enter into the thing that you have for us, Father.
God, I just pray, Lord, that we wouldn't waste a moment. Father, I pray for each and every person here that they would take seriously this call. Father, that we would be a house that prioritizes fasting and prayer because we understand that it is the fuel of the kingdom. It's how the kingdom runs. It's how our lives run. Father, we just welcome you to do your thing. Would you take a hand of a person next to you? Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters on our right and on our left. Lord, I know that the enemy wants to convince us Otherwise, he wants to convince us to go our own way on this, Lord. But we're a body. We're together. We are, we are one in Christ. So, Father, I just pray for your encouragement to flow back and forth, up and, up and down in this room, Lord God. Encouragement, Lord God, to do the thing that you've called us to do. Even when it's difficult, you call us to it. We thank you, Lord, that you have better things in mind for this house as we declare this fast together. Lord, let us encourage one another. Let's find a way to hold up one another's hands through this season, Lord God. And we'll watch the work of God take place in our midst. We give you the glory for it in Jesus' name.